The fare is 18 credits, please. Sue me, dickhead. We hope you enjoyed the ride. Perhaps... Welcome everyone to My Bleeding Ears Podcast. This is episode number 65. Thank you all for joining us today. Us, meaning me, Larry, your host as always. And along with me today is Jessalyn. Hello. And a special guest. We have Brent Ferrari joining us again since uh, we did the Rollerball episode. He thought he'd come back and fill us in. And what he thinks about all the crap we're going to talk about today. Mm Mm-hmm. Hello, thanks for having me again. <laughs> really excited to talk about all the NBA trades recently, the All-Star game coming up this weekend. Sweet, where's Muggsy Bogues gone this time? Uh, the All-Star game is in Charlotte, where yeah. he played. Oh, so see, there we there go. There you go. I told you I was going to cut your mic if you started talking to NBA. There's <laughs> only one mic. No. I was bluffing. <laughs> Alright, so we saw a bunch of crap. Uh, this past week... This movie, uh, actually, Brent didn't see. Jessalyn and I watched it. And it took us two different times because Jessalyn passed out. Not because it was boring. It was <laughs> no. just she was very tired. I was really sleepy. Uh, it is The Changeling, the uh, 1980 film with George C. Scott. And this movie has been on my radar for a very long time. And the I remember hearing about this movie back in probably the 90s. And then I was really introduced to it even more when there was that AMC put out the... 100 scariest movie moments. Yeah. And they kept showing this one scene from that movie, and it was so much more than just that scene, and mm-hmm. it was a totally different movie than what I expected. Um, and pretty much what it is, uh, a man staying at a secluded historical mansion finds himself being haunted by the presence of a specter. Um, George C. Scott character, his uh, wife and kid were killed, and he's really depressed, so he kind of moves out of town and rents this one mansion because he's um, he's teaching classes at this nearby college because mm-hmm. he's a, like a musical professor. So um, right. And then he starts seeing all these different things in the house and one thing leads to another and then it's burning down by the end. And Do, you, do you remember what you called this movie while we were watching it? Uh, yeah, it's called George C. Scott Outacts Everyone. <laughs> yeah, he so. really, really does. He's almost in a different movie than yeah. everyone else. <laughs> he's he always, great. He looks disheveled as shit in this movie. <laughs> yeah. He's great, man. I love George C. Scott. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a, a ton of movies, but the movies I have seen him in, he's been great. Like uh, Patton, of course. And then there's, um, whatchamacallit's, uh, the Kubrick movie that I'm forgetting that we all went and actually saw in the theater. Clockwork Orange? No, we we all saw it in the theater. Oh, we all saw. Uh, the Kubrick movie with the the bomb. 
Oh, oh um, Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I'm forgetting that's Kubrick because yes. I like it so much. That's actually the only thing that I've seen George C. Scott in. I'm sorry, Dad. It's true. You talk about him all the time, and I never admitted to you that I've never seen him in anything except that. So I've never seen him be anything but goofy. <laughs> so, yeah, you get to see him in a serious role yeah. finally. And he's great. I mean, he's wonderful. I'll you see, see Patton. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long one, though, so it's like. Four hours, I think. Yeah, so and then, sorry, count me out. Yeah, I'm exactly. going to watch the Changeling again. <laughs> but yeah, great movie. It's available on Shudder. I was noticing how other movies have lifted from this movie. I mentioned Stir of yes. Echoes, The Ring. There are plenty of horror movies that lifted from this movie. And I just didn't know until I saw this one. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was, it was a slow burn through about the first 45 minutes then it really kind of picked up from there it mm-hmm. became not necessarily a horror movie but more of like a, a thriller or you know just um murder mystery murder mystery yeah. yeah that's what it is for the most part with some ghostly elements in it too so but yeah it's a, it's a good one and yeah check it out yeah agreed now the to all the movies that we have seen together yes a new one that just came out on shutter called horror noir it's um, it's a look at the history of black horror films and the role of African Americans in this in like the horror genre from like the very beginning. Um, a lot of different um, uh, old actors and new actors from horror movies are in this, and they talk about the the roles and they they got and the the surprises they got from them. Uh, some of the actors are like Keith David. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken Forey, those are the two big ones to me because I've, I've always yeah. seen them in horror movies and that was right around the time I watched horror movies when those guys were around. Uh, Miguel Nunez, who I actually met, Jordan Peele, mm-hmm. Tony Todd. Actually, I yelled at him one time, Candyman, and he looked at me. It was cool. <laughs> but you were too scared to meet him. Yeah, I was uh, actually on like the second floor of the place when I did yell at him. <laughs> Uh, Rachel True, Loretta Devine. Right, yeah. Uh, and this is a really cool, cool documentary, and it's, I learned a lot, of, a lot of stuff from here. It's a great different perspective from my perspective to see uh, these horror movies from. So I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, this is actually this movie and Joe Bob Briggs are worth the price of admission for Shutter. Yes. So here I am hawking Shutter again. Definitely get Shutter. Mm-hmm. Um. What did you guys think of it? Did you what, what did you learn anything, or, or was there anything that stood out for you guys? Yeah, I learned a lot, and it made me want to see a bunch of movies. So I guess that's a good thing there, to do in a documentary. Is there any movie in particular that kind of stood out to you that you were interested in? I guess Blackula. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I mean, I'd always heard the title of it, and I just thought it was a dumb movie because right, it's right, called right. Blackula. But mm-hmm. I didn't realize it's actually, it seems like a really smart movie and makes a right. lot of points. Um, that and the uh, Ganja and Hess, mm-hmm. which again, mm-hmm. if I saw the title, I assumed was a stoner movie. Right, <laughs> yeah. But also sounded really interesting, and I think that was a foreign one, right? Uh, Ganja and Hess, I believe it was a foreign production, but they used okay. American actors. I know because they, um, they have... Ben from Night of the Living Dead is the main character in that movie. That's how I recognized um, the movie anyway. When uh, there's this YouTube guy, uh, Good Bad Flicks, and he actually did this movie a few months ago. So I knew a little bit about it before entering this mm-hmm. film. And it, it looks very artsy kind yeah. of movie. So I'm sure it's not everyone's cup of tea. But yeah, it's a movie I do want to check out. 
Uh, Jessalyn, anything? Did you learn anything? Um, well, of course I did. <laughs> I mean, definitely. It, it, there were definitely tropes that I already knew about, like the token black person who always, always dies in horror movies, mm-hmm. especially like the 80s and 90s horror movies that I love. Um... Talking about the birth of a nation and calling it a horror film is yes. something I never even mm. thought about. But absolutely, mm-hmm. that movie is a horror film. It should be to everyone. Um, yeah, I thought it was really great. I, I learned a lot. I loved it. Watch it. Watch it. I actually want to watch it again pretty soon. It's just so I can go through some of the movies they talk about and, and focus on that a bit more. Yeah. And, and hell, we'll, t- we'll bring them up in this podcast uh, when the time comes. They you even, gave me... Oh, go you ahead. go. Well, it gave me even a little more appreciation for Get Out, which I already loved, but Mm -hmm. there's so many small things in that that I had no clue about, like the whole Buck thing, and (laughs) they mentioned a lot of little things he put in there that I'm sure I still would have no idea seeing it again, but I want to. I was very proud of myself during when when I saw that in the theater, and it's near the final scene, and he's in the chair, and he picks the cotton out of the chair. I was like, oh, there he is. Yeah, I, I get yeah. that one. That I didn't get. See, I, I got that one. That. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you guys saw me smiling when I saw that one. I was like, yes, I'm smart. <laughs> um, ruined King Kong for me. That's something that I guess needed to happen, but made me sad. Well, Tarantino already did that to me in Inglorious Bastards, so yeah. Wait, what? There's a scene in Inglorious Bastards where they're playing the game where they put the... Um, the uh, uh, oh. the saying or a word on their head or an actor or who or, or just a noun of some sort on someone's head and they try and guess what it is and yeah the one German guy the the, the Nazi officer uh, is trying to guess King Kong and he guesses um, the black man in America instead do you remember that part at all no no <laughs> but he's joking right he's joking about it but he's like no it's King Kong so. But it, that's exactly what King Kong is yeah, about. Exact, I just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Notice. So yeah. Mm-hmm. We got watching Glorious Bastards again. Okay. All right. Uh, a next movie that we saw is a new one that came out. And is actually in theaters still, and it was number one for about three weeks. And it's the finale to the M Night Shyamalan trilogy. Uh, it's Glass. It is the third film in the series. Uh, the first one is Unbreakable, which I know Jessalyn and I love that movie, and it's it's a near masterpiece to me, at least. Me too. You think so too, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And I love Split also. I think James McAvoy is incredible in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get Glass to tie it all up, and this is the story of uh, Mr. Glass, because the other three, uh, the other two were about David Dunn, then it was about, uh, what's his face, uh, Kevin Crumb. Kevin Crumb. Yeah. We get to know his name, right? Uh, It's about Kevin Crumb, and this one's about Mr. Glass. Uh, I know a lot of people did not like the ending, or like the last third of this movie. They just didn't like how it, uh, they used the Bruce Willis character. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, We won't spoil anything this time around, but I'm sure we will talk about this whole trilogy at some point. Um, What did you guys think? How did you feel about it, Brett? Uh, I liked it. I had really high expectations because I loved Unbreakable. Um, I really liked Split as well. Um, I felt like it kind of didn't reach the super high expectations, but I still really enjoyed it. Um, I thought the whole comic book tie-in was a little rushed, it felt like. 
I feel it's really fleshed out and unbreakable, but in this movie, I feel like they're just kind of trying to throw it in there, like when they're talking about um, the mastermind and other showdowns and stuff like that. I didn't feel like it was as well done, and that's probably the downside of having a trilogy where the second movie you don't know is part of a trilogy until the very end of very it. Right. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's harder to kind of build that story when it's a surprise, so that's mm-hmm. maybe the flaw of that, but it's also really cool that you didn't know that it was going to do that, but... um. I still really enjoyed it, though. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it, too. I decided to walk in with no expectations. I think that's the smartest thing to do with an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Although I can't think of one that I don't like. The Happening. The Happening, you're right. There is one. (laughs) Well, Mark Wahlberg is severely miscast. (laughs) That should not have happened. But yeah, I mean, all of M. Night Shyamalan's movies, even if there are ones I don't like, I revisit them and I'm like, oh, you know what? I missed that. Oh, that wasn't, you know, this wasn't so bad. I don't know why I was so angry. The uh, Your guy, Stuckman, says the Chris same Stuckman, thing. Yeah. And I, I agree. Um, so I walked in with no expectations. I My problems were, uh, I'm going to spoil just a little tiny bit, a, a lack of Bruce Willis mm-hmm, and yeah. his silver foxy beard, which I'm totally loving. Um, I thought he would be in it more. It really is the the Kevin Crumb show. It's the James yes. McAvoy show, uh, and it should. He's got twenty three characters to do, so I understand. Um, the end bugged me a little bit, but when I really think mm. about it, that's how it has to end. Yes. Um, I couldn't think of an ending that would have been better than that. So. I'd say walk in with no expectations, although you walked in with high ones and they were almost met. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I want to say is Unbreakable, I think, is a masterpiece. I saw it in the theaters with my mom and we walked out and we were kind of like, eh, what was that? Mm -hmm. And then I watched it again and again and it's wonderful. And the way that it's shot is comic book panels. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Every single shot. I mean, I feel like you got, we rewatched Unbreakable, and I think you got sick of me pointing it out, but I couldn't (laughs) help it because Split and Glass aren't filmed that way, and I think that's part of what makes Unbreakable so good. Right. Well, they're different kind of movies, though. They are. All three of them are different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, you can always, you you know what, I I think I probably ruined Jaws for you early in our relationship, so you can you can talk through movies and point out these things all you want, honey, and that's fine. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, when we first started going out, I was like, oh, I love Jaws. We should watch it sometime. And we started watching it, and I started doing all the lines from the movie. So, like, after a half hour in, she was like, all right, all right, that's enough. And, you know, like, like, I've seen Jaws. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So that was my other thing, is that I love the way Unbreakable is filmed. I don't have. I can't find any flaws in Unbreakable. I can't think of one. And in Glass and Split, I can think of a few. Yeah, there are a few. I think they could have extended the ending of Unbreakable a little bit. Like it's just it ends, and then here's a little text on the screen about what happens next. And Mm -hmm. I don't think you have to show all that, but I kind of would have liked a tiny bit more. But that's a very small complaint. Yeah, I get that, but it didn't bother me. I mean, I guess I thought we'll we'll get more. That's great. We'll see him again. I give it thumbs up. Check it out. Agreed. A minus. Check it out. <laughs> B plus. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I've always kind of compared M. Night to Guillermo del Toro, not because they're anything alike, but I think they both have a really strong skill. Like, del Toro movies are always beautiful. You know they're always going to look amazing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the story is not great. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Shyamalan, he always tells a story in a way that I love. I think he's a great storyteller, but there's always a lot of little flaws in him, especially some of the movies. But uh, when they both get it right, it's really awesome. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, something that got a lot of things wrong is another new movie out there, which we probably will spoil, because who gives a shit? Yeah. The Prodigy. Well, you can't spoil it, because you've seen it before. Right, I feel like it didn't get anything wrong. (laughs) It did exactly what all the other cookie cutter... You said cookie cutter, I said paint by numbers. Yeah. Evil kid movie does. Yeah. Uh, It's about a mother concerned about her son's disturbing behavior. uh, He thinks something supernatural may be affecting him. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is, yeah, you guys are absolutely right about this one. It's well done. I mean, there's, there's, isn't a bad movie. Yeah. Not at all. If you've, you've never seen a movie about a haunted child before, then start out with this one. Why not? It's not bad at all. It's actually kind of well done. It's just, I've seen it before. Yeah. Uh, What do you guys think? It's rated R, which... I perked up about I thought, oh, it's not even PG-13. It's R. What are they going to do? Nothing really is the answer. I was trying to think of why it's rated R. And there are like two scenes. One Uh, scene where the kid doesn't necessarily swear, but he does say some really graphic things to that psychiatrist. And then Brittany Allen at the end. Those two things. Yeah, that's it, really. That's it, Hmm. yeah. Well, uh, what's her face? Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Black did a pretty good job uh, it's good to see her not in that nancy botwin role in orange is the new black so yeah. it's cool to see her doing something different and M- my sister and i were talking about it i said i like taylor Schilling. i try not to but i can't help it and carissa felt the same way <laughs> <laughs> yeah she did a fine job yeah Brittany allen of course uh was from a few movies that we've seen late- lately uh stains the sand and red um and what keeps you alive? What keeps you alive? And wow, she, I mean, she, she transformed herself in all these movies. Mm-hmm. To I didn't recognize her from uh, either of those movies. So it was, it's a good new face to see out there acting, mm-hmm. and especially her doing horror movies. And we need a, we need in the horror genre better acting and, and more actors too. So let's. Hope she keeps it up and we see her in the future more. And uh, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy her art. Yeah. I have a question for you two about The Prodigy, though. Okay. Because okay. I feel most people are either scared by there's two kinds of horror movies. One is the realistic type, which is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Massacre Hills Have Eyes. The other side is paranormal. And I think most people are scared by one or the other, but not necessarily both. Like myself, I'm scared by Supernatural. So what do you consider this movie, though? Because there is a paranormal aspect, but everything in it is realistic. Hmm. I guess it's kind of both. I would say, I'd say probably more along the lines of realistic, because yeah. it can be associated a little bit more with schizophrenia, possibly. That's true. That there could be some sort of behavioral disorder, right? Disease, yeah. So yeah, that's. I mean, that's a possibility. Uh, but supernatural, I think, is more of just. Um, a, a different set piece, maybe, and not mm. the whole story. It's um, just something to build off of, and not the Ark of the Covenant or whatever. You know, <laughs> I would say if it's is your first mo- time ever seeing a movie like this, check it out. Otherwise, wait for it on DVD. It it was the first time the people in front of us had ever seen a movie before at all, 
I think. Well, there's uh, I forget what the <laughs> jump scare is, but there's an, an obvious jump scare, and I actually did kind of jump a little bit because I'm very jumpy, like jittery in movies. I, I like the jump scare. Yeah. Yeah. No, that uh-huh. didn't make me. You're right. That was. It the, was the hallway, and it didn't okay. make me jump because I've seen it in the trailers so many times. But this girl, it was like a high school kid on her phone in front of us. Um, that jump scare happens, and she squealed and threw her phone up in the air yeah. and like was terrified. It's like you're supposed to have popcorn for that. What's the <laughs> yeah, hell's right? right? Yeah, movies for the 2019s. You throw our phones in the air, it was not like popcorn. Watching a Muppet watch a horror movie. Oh, and there was also a fight next to us too. Yeah. Um, a woman was just sitting by herself in the back row, all by herself, and like this woman and three teenagers came in and. Kind of sat like right next to her in the back row, and as soon as the movie started, we were talking, and she was like, "Shh, be quiet." Yep. And they were quiet for a little while and started talking, so she had to quiet them again. And then the adult figure or mother or whomever that was switches seats and sits like kind of right next to the woman and says, "Well, I'm sitting here now." I mean, and then the woman's like, "Well, I'll still call the manager," <laughs> and the woman's like. <laughs> Well, what do you expect me to do? They're kids. And me thinking in my head, I'm like, well, you're an adult, uh, yeah. and those are your children, and you can just tell them to shut the fuck up. Right. You know, it, it's that easy. They're what the hell's two, wrong with you? They're 16. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the hell's your problem? And that whole day was fucked at that theater, too. We, I'm not going back to that theater again. That theater's bullshit. And now they're assigning seats, and then the first movie we went to was, was Glass, and we got there early. And we got our seats. I started a rant. Sorry. Yeah. And then there were four other people in the theater. But we were a little early, so I'm sure a few more were going to come in. Um, previews start to play. Uh, Jessalyn goes to get something to eat. And she leaves. And then three people walk in. Walk to their seats. And as they're walking closer and closer to me up the aisle, and we're kind of far back, <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. These people are going to sit right in fuck in front of me, aren't they? They're going to sit right in front of me. And then they keep walking. And they get up to my aisle. And I'm like, oh, great. They're going to sit right behind me now. Son of a... But no, they weren't. The three people got the three seats that were next to us to sit right next to us in a theater that holds 180 people. And yes, I counted the fucking chairs in there <laughs> while you were getting food. <laughs> Virtually empty theater. Like Virtually empty. Ten other people were in there. So then I see Jessalyn walking back with the food. She looks up at me, looks back to pay attention to where she's gone, and looks back up at me confused as to why is there three people sitting next to me now? <laughs> and then you go to sit down and you're like, what the f-? And then the people are like, oh, shit, we should kind of move, shouldn't we? So they move a few uh, seats ahead of us. Yeah. To sit away. Like, come on, man. Like, you picked those seats. Right. Like, didn't you see? You walked in, you <clears throat> saw a sea of green seats and two red seats. And you were like, yeah, right next to the red seats. Yeah. That's where we'll sit. <laughs> uh, I'm not going there again. <laughs> any? Do you have any fun? You've been to a couple. You went to two of these movies this weekend, this past weekend, and anything? Um... No, nothing at these movies. Um, a few weeks ago, someone was making a loud comment about me needing to get off my phone during the first commercial oh. before the previews. Like, no. I, I'm always off my phone during a movie, but not during the commercials. No. No, that's... I agree. See, that's ridiculous. Who the fuck was Just some asshole behind you? Was he right behind you? Yeah. Did you look at him? I turned around, but... 
So, I like, were you invested in this Coca-Cola commercial? Yeah, what? Like, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't bug me. Even through the trailers, I won't say anything. Definitely commercials. That doesn't matter. Yeah, that's Trailers, fine. I won't say anything. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Movie starts, I'll say something. <laughs> I hope. You know what? I, I, pretty soon, the theater is going to be in the past, man. That that I, I don't see it happening 15 years from now, having as many theaters as we have. I think it's it's going to be gone pretty soon. I think you've got to come to Black 37 or places like that with me with the reclining seats yeah, and yeah. the ordering food and you just press a button and someone brings you a drink. Yeah, yeah but I what if there's... What, you know what? Assholes buy those tickets too. Actually, most people are quiet. In my experience, most people are quiet. Because you have to pay a lot of money for yeah. those tickets. So if someone... Well, I guess they can think of like, oh, well... That asshole in front of me paid a lot for their tickets. I'm sure I won't bother them kind of thing. Or I paid a lot of money for these tickets, so yeah. Shut up. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys watched this new um, Michael Gondry uh, TV show. or uh, It's on Showtime, actually, not TV cable. Uh, called Kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's with Jim Carrey is the lead in this one, which is pretty interesting. I saw a few scenes that you watched, and it looked pretty crazy so you yeah you walked in around the end when it was getting really michelle gondry it uh, i mean you can definitely tell he didn't direct every episode but you can absolutely tell the ones that he did yep. you're the one who well you and carissa both told me to watch this show and i burned right through it mm-hmm. did you watch it quickly um i would have but we had to break it up a little bit just because it is a bit of a bummer so yeah carissa had to get the effort to go through that every <laughs> yes. every week or so I cried in the first episode in public watching it on my phone, yeah. So what's this show about, exactly? So the synopsis I wrote down is Jeff, a famous children's television icon, like a Mr. Rogers type, Uh struggles to retain his sanity as his family falls apart. So I don't know, how much do we want to ruin? It happens in the first episode. We find out why he's breaking down. Yeah. um, He lost a child. Uh, in a car crash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's more to that, but I guess, I don't know. It was twins, and there's one that's still alive, so there's a whole bag of mess with that, too. Mm-hmm. Good, they're not stigmatic twins. Stigmatic twins, then. Uh, no, not, yeah. not that's specifically. Good. I'm saying that's good. <laughs> yeah. you know, otherwise, we wouldn't have the show. Right. <laughs> he and his wife are separated, um, and he, I mean, he tries to actually live the part that he plays on TV. He tries to be a really wonderful person, and even though it's still, I don't know, it's like a PBS-type show, right? Mm -hmm. It is, yeah. Even though it's still a PBS-type show, there's still a lot of money involved in it and people that want to capitalize on that, which he really resists, so that's a whole other level of messed up crap for him to deal with. Yeah, he wants to he wants to specifically the first thing that he wants to talk about after about a year after Phil dies, the twin, his son, is death. He mm-hmm. wants to talk to kids about death. He wants to talk to kids about things that have weight, about things they might be feeling. And his father, played by Frank Langella, does not want this to happen at all. He doesn't think that this he thinks it'll completely torpedo the show. Yeah. So and that's that kind of back and forth struggle. Tara Lipinski is in it. I don't yep. want to ruin that part. It's amazing. I forgot all about Tara Lipinski. <laughs> I actually did read that. I was like, what the fuck she doing? <laughs> She's hilarious. What yeah. was her sister's name in the show? Sarah. Sarah. Because yeah. she couldn't pronounce it Sarah because it can't rhyme with Tara. Yeah. 
There's a, there's a great relationship between Tara and her on-screen sister. Sarah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really good. It's very, it's Michelle Gondry at his best. I would definitely check it out. If you cry easily, just bring tissues. That's all I should have. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, last week I promised a new segment and it's here. It is called Action Prime. Ah, uh, yes. Action Prime. Action Prime. It's where I watch a an action movie on Amazon Prime, and I just talk about it for a minute, or uh, two minutes, maybe even less than that. It's going to be a short little review. It's your show. You talk about it as long as you want. Oh, thanks. <laughs> the movie is called Wheels of Fire. It's from 1985, and it is a Road Warrior ripoff, like straight to the cars they use. It's an apocalyptic fucking whatever. Uh, it's produced by Roger Corman. and uh, Is it in Australia? Uh, no. New it, Zealand? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, here we go. Here's a little learning episode here for us. Yes, a lot of those exploitation movies did come out in Australia. A lot of them were financed in the Philippines, though. Really cheap labor and... Uh, they can make a lot of money out there, just and get so much more bang out of their buck. Uh, like what five grand there will go is like a hundred grand or whatever. So they can definitely stretch that dollar a lot more. But I mean, the acting they have and <laughs> isn't up to par with movies like The Road Warrior. And um, so, pretty much what I got out of this movie was that this um, this guy uh, uh, he looks like a mixture of of like. Calibos from Clash of the Titans and Chris Sarandon kind of mixed into one. If you've ever seen Calibos from Clash of the Titans, uh, take a look at the picture now so you can get it. Because I know you guys don't know who the fuck that is. <laughs> so, I'm sure like four people will be like, oh, fucking Calibos. Original or new one? Original. Okay. Original. The 1981 uh, Harry Hamlin one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look at Calibos. Um. He's just going through the wasteland. He meets up with his sister. They capture his sister and torture her and everything. And he tries to get her back. And then at the end, there's these two different factions of of, of road warriors going after each other. And that's not and what they call themselves. No, right? no. Okay. I, there's I really, warriors. <laughs> uh, more like dust warriors, I would say, or, or sand warriors, maybe. Favorite parts of the movie, uh, or redeeming qualities, or watch if you like is what I'll call this right now. Mm -hmm. And these are just the things I've seen in the movie. So, if you like topless women use as car ornaments, check this movie out. If you like squealing dwarves, this is a definite check out for you too. <laughs> Albino Jawas, uh, yeah, that might pique your interest right there. Sweaty chests, anyone? You might want to check. Depends on the chest, I think. Yeah. Well, if it's Cal <laughs> have you ever seen Calibos? Then <laughs> it, it depends. Uh, Kung Fu Psychics mm -hmm. and a Hank Williams the Second Henchman. So if you like any of those, check out Wheels of Fire. Action Prime. <laughs> You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. 
Thanks for listening. Our movie of the week is the 2004 film by, was it Mikel or Michelle? I think it's Michelle. Michelle Gondry. Eternal know. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I first saw this movie kind of right where it came out back in, probably back in 2004. I didn't see it in the theaters, but I did get the DVD of it. And I was, um, I had no idea what this movie was about, but I was like, I gotta check it out. And I did, and I was pleasantly surprised and yet really bummed out the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie is about um, when two people, when their relationship turns sour, um, the couple undergoes a medical procedure to have each other erased from their memories. And this movie stars Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, who are our main characters, uh, Elijah Wood, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Kirsten Dunst, and Tom Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. When did you guys first see this film? I first saw this, so this is my pick. This, oh yeah, this Larry, is. Larry just told lunch. me to pick a Valentine's Day movie, not necessarily a Valentine's Day movie, and I, then I accidentally went ahead and picked a Valentine's yep. Day movie. It occurs <laughs> mostly on Valentine's Day, which I forgot about. I saw it in the theaters when it came out, maybe like the week it came out. I was. It oh, looked shit. really interesting. I really wanted to see it, and it had the opposite effect. It didn't bum me out. So. I had just gotten out of, I, I guess it was a relationship. It was just at that point of the relationship had been over for long enough that I was reflecting on it. Was this Todd? It was, ah, yeah. Right, okay. But, like, I was a kid. Yeah. I acted like a crazy person, to be honest. And I was just starting to realize that as I'm reflecting on this relationship. And this movie made me feel better. Like, all the things that caused me so much pain... I would never, ever erase them. Ever. Um, There's even a part... Well, we'll get there. But, yeah, so it actually made me feel better when I watched it. Brent? I can't remember if I saw it in theaters or if I saw it right when it came out on video, but I saw it pretty quickly as far as when it came out. Mm -hmm. I I loved it the first time I saw it. Did it make you sad or did it make you... It made me feel pretty good. Um... I think then I, I felt pretty good. I think I I thought it was a beautiful story, and I had high hopes at the end of it. So Oh, no. Which... <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel the opposite. Other people disagree. <laughs> yeah. But. <laughs> All right, our story opens up with our character of Joel, who's played by Jim Carrey. He wakes up in the morning, and he just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And he ends up, he goes out to go to work and sees that there's a big dent in his car. Uh, he takes the train to work, usually, but this day he just didn't feel like going to work, so he ends up taking uh, the train to uh, this town or city called Montauk, mm-hmm. and um, he's pretty much just in his head, he's kind of trying to live, uh, go through his mind about where he's going in life kind of thing, and if he should get back together with this old girlfriend uh, called, Nao- her name is Naomi, mm-hmm. and uh, it's also valent. well, it's the day before Valentine's Day, I believe. It, I uh, think, we're, we're restarting yeah. right here. Mm-hmm. And um, he ends up going to Montauk, and he walk, walks on the beach there, and he sees um, another woman there walking on the beach also. And she kind of seems, it, throughout like the, the beginning, it seems like this woman is following him, um, and then they finally interact when they get on the train to go back to the city. So and they, we, we see... Um, her name is Clementine, and it's played by Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. 
and we see she's kind of like a, a, a an impulsive person, um, just very in your face kind of. And Jim Carrey is really the introverted person, on, and they strike up a conversation because Kate Winslet approaches him first, and, um, and then they just talk for a while, and he's interested, and, but not. But you know, it, she's definitely piquing his interest. Yeah, well, she's a little hostile to him, and the first time that I watched it, I just thought, well, that's the way she is. And after a few times watching it, I just thought, the whole theme of this movie is that you might be able to erase memories, but you can't erase how those memories made you feel. Right. And so I actually think that hostility is something that she doesn't understand either, mm-hmm. because she doesn't remember him, but she remembers that f- those feelings of hostility towards him. Um, that's it. So they end up meeting the next day, and they uh, kind of spend the night at uh, the Charles River. And they seem to have a good time, and he drops her back off at home uh, so she can get her toothbrush because she's going to stay the night at his place. And then he is approached by a man. He has no idea who it is, and that's played by Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. And that's where our movie starts for the most part. Our opening credits start, we see Joel, uh, Jim Carrey, sobbing in his car, um, and he gets a letter from Lacuna, and this is the night that we find out that Clementine has erased Joel from his uh, from her memory, so she'll never um, remember, remember, eh, remember him ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he finds out from his friends Robin Carey, played by David Cross and Jane Addams, Finally, David Cross just tells him, and he and Carrie fight about it. They're obviously having their own problems. And the letter just says, Clementine Krachinski has has had Joel Barish erased from her memory. Please never mention their relationship to her again. It's like a telegram. Right, right. We find out that Joel goes to see Clementine at the Barnes & Noble where she works, and she doesn't recognize him at all, Mm -hmm. and he feels like shit. And then so he's like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to do this too. I'm going to erase you from my memory also. Because he's obviously hurt. Um, and for her to get this done, too, she must have been hurting as much as well. Mm-hmm. So then he starts to get the procedure done. And that's when we are introduced to uh, some of the uh, workers that are going to be working on uh, erasing his memory, which is played by um, Mark Ruffalo and uh, Elijah Wood, too, because um, we'll get back to the part where he came in in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom Wilkinson is the doctor. And we also get to meet Kirsten Dunst. She is the uh, she's the one who takes appointments. Yeah, I don't want to say secretary, but well, she's the... Receptionist. Receptionist, that's say, the word yeah. I was looking for, mm-hmm. not secretary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jim Car- Carrey agrees to have the procedure done. He goes home and passes out, and that's when they come into your house and they put a big colander on your head, it looks like. And start to erase your memories. Yeah, but the, in order to map his memories in in her brain, in his brain, they he has to bring all the stuff that reminds him of her, and then they show it to them, and he he just has to react to it like he can't talk. He just has to feel. Yes, and that's and they, uh, yeah. That's, that seems awful. I don't yes. Know. Oh man, yeah. I. I was like, why isn't he really even crying in this scene yeah. right now? I was he doesn't look like, happy. He does yeah. not look happy now. <laughs> From there on, we get to start seeing uh, different parts of Joel's memory and uh, with Clementine as they're being erased. And it's really cool the, the direction they take here is because then 
they started erasing things that are in this scene, like tables or, yeah. or whatever, and his memory is just slowly going along um, with other memories, too, not just memories of Clementine, because on the train, Clementine introduces herself to Joel, and she's like, uh, don't make any jokes about my name. He's like, I wouldn't know any jokes anyway. And so he's like, okay. Because the name Clementine uh, was was sung by, uh, what's his face? Huckleberry, Huckleberry Hound. Hound. Uh, and so that's the joke people would always use on her. So, But seeing as his mind was erased, and that part was erased too, that he's never heard of Huckleberry Hound even. Yeah, they had to erase the whole memory of Huckleberry Hound in that song. <laughs> that was his favorite to get too. Clementine out, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're also, I mean, it's little stuff. Like, I just noticed this the last time I watched it. When they're on the Charles River and she's like, tell me which constellations you know. And he says, I don't know any. I wonder... Did they have to erase the constellations yes, from his brain? I believe so. Yeah. Because yeah. we see that Joel is, he sketches a lot and writes in diaries. And so I would think he would know what constellations right. are. Right. But, so um, we start to see the relationship in reverse. Um, the bad is slowly becoming good. And, but then Joel starts interacting with the Clementine in his mind to try and see if he can stop being erased her being erased from him so mm-hmm. his clementine in his mind is trying to help him escape from being erased and that ends up creating some problems for the technicians that are doing the the procedure on him but they're not necessarily paying attention either they're kind of getting fucked up and uh they're getting stoned and drunk and fucking in this dude's place while yeah. he's getting his mind erased but he's finding different holes he can escape to to try and divert the racing and uh, i like those parts the most because it's he's fighting so hard for this not to happen and you're kind of rooting for him for this not to happen but it's inevitable so (laughs) right the way they shoot it's really cool because he's trying to save her by taking her to memories that she doesn't belong in like Mm -hmm. childhood memories before he knew her and then as they're trying to track him down maybe i'm jumping ahead but no that's cool they're uh the scenes, the way they're shooting it, they're going back and forth between the two different scenes, and each time they cut back and forth, the set keeps adding more elements of the other set to it mm-hmm. as it keeps going back and forth. And I just really liked that. I thought it was really cool how they did that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> There's so much. I At some point when I was watching a bunch of Yorgos Lanthimos, I compared him to Michelle Gondry and it's not that they have the same style it's just that they jam pack so much mm. into their movies that I wrote a three page summary for you to use and that was as short <laughs> as I could get it and I still miss some scenes and some little pieces I like how when he's in those embarrassing scenes like when he was a kid or when he was masturbating trying to hide from them deleting him how Clementine's all surprised and she's kind of laughing at him and everything yeah and I and it's just like Joel, why didn't you like open up before? Like it, this, like totally would have like helped your relationship out because that's wow. a big problem with um, him and Clementine is that he doesn't really express himself all that much. But with her going through all these different uh, embarrassing things with him, is she's finding all these new things out? Wow, I didn't even notice that. Is oh. that something that you noticed? Not really. Well, technically, it's not her. It's not well, her. Well, no. Yeah. But, but it's still her in his mind, So, yeah. and that's that's her to him. 
But that's also a problem, too, because in his mind, he's not seeing the real her, too. So, right. yeah. But you're right. He is opening up to the the thing he believes is her, mm-hmm. which he should have done in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And there's uh, just that scene where they're at the flea market, and Clementine says she wants to have a baby. And Joel doesn't want to have a baby with her what it seems like and he totally just does not want to talk about it because or have a discussion her, though not yes him. not because yeah. of him it's because of her and he thinks um she's an impulsive person and wouldn't be a good mother that's what i take from it yeah and that's what i think he means and you hear him say i don't want to talk about this here quite a few times throughout the movie which lets you know that he doesn't ever really want to talk right. about it mm-hmm. no he does clearly an issue yeah right and these are both Flawed characters. They're not. Uh, no one's right, and no one's really wrong. I guess. I mean, that's just uh, who you are, and this is a growing experience in itself. Except it isn't, because he wakes up and it's all gone. <laughs> but that we'll get to the end. Well, yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah. He may. We'll, we'll get to the end in a, uh, okay. soon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. And then from there, um, they find him because the. Um, the uh, uh, the technicians have to call the Tom Wilkinson character to come in and help because they totally lost him and they can't find where these memories are right now. So they need help and they have to clean up the place, all the beer cans and shit. And then Tom Wilkinson character comes over and starts to help out. And it's important to note that Mary is the one who keeps saying, we have to call Howard. Howard right. has to come over and fix this. That's important. It's very, it is yeah. an important scene mm-hmm. because later on in the movie, we find out that Mary had this procedure done also so that she would forget Tom Wilkinson because uh, she was in love with him and they had an affair. And I guess they came to a conclusion to where this needed to stop and her, um, her love for him needed to be over because he was married and had kids. So he ends up doing the procedure on her, which we don't find out till close to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you can learn it now. That's fine. And also, Patrick has left the apartment at this point because he is now dating Clementine. Because he's... Yes. Yeah. And he's using all of the stuff that Joel turned... Is that his name, Joel? Yeah. Joel, yeah. yeah. All the stuff that Joel turned in that he has to get rid of, uh, Elijah Wood has now stolen all of it. <laughs> and is using it because he's a giant piece of shit in this yeah. movie. Plus right. a pair of her panties. Mm-hmm. Yes. When they he did the procedure panties. on her, he stole her panties. <laughs> well, they were clean. <laughs> I guess Elijah Wood wanted to erase the uh, Frodo Baggins yes. image she had. He sure uh, did, I think. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. I like Elijah Wood. He does some pretty good work. I mean, he was great in that uh, Maniac remake. Mm-hmm. So good for him. I'm happy he's going into roles like this. Yeah. Of course, this was, what, 15 years ago when this movie came out? So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where where did I stop here? Uh, oh, yeah, Howard, or Howie, as, as Mary calls him later on, mm-hmm. uh, comes over and he, I mean, he suspects something's going on or happened in the apartment while he was, you know, while they were supposed to be taking away these memories, and he just kind of like, whatever, that's fine, I don't care. And he starts to help out, and he figures where... He is right in that memory right now, so he can delete it. Mark Ruffalo's character is like, okay, you can go now. But then yeah, Joel keeps fighting to keep Clementine in his memory, so Tom Wilkinson has to stay kind of throughout the night. 
uh, to help fix this. And he talks about how odd it is where he finds that memory to delete mm-hmm. it. Right, yeah, yeah, he's like, this is very strange, because mm-hmm. he finds Joel in the memory of him as a four-year-old in, like, uh, his old house with his mother, and he's, <laughs> and it, it, this scene's pretty funny, too, because Jim Carrey's <laughs> playing a four-year-old, and they have a match <laughs> to size of the table, so he's hiding under the table and acting like a four-year-old, and Kate Winslet's there, too, uh, and she's trying to act like her, uh, his babysitter, because they're still trying to hide from the people taking away their memories. And uh, she she pulls up her dress because there's a scene earlier where she he looks at her underwear and wants to have sex and she reminds him of that and then she pulls up her dress again so she can see my crotch is still here <laughs> and since Joel's four year old Joel he's like yuck Ew, yuck <laughs> yeah. but when he finds out all these things uh, that's when they go to the masturbation scene <laughs> where uh, yes humiliation the, the Joel's mom walks in on him uh, masturbating to a comic that he drew <laughs> <laughs> oh he drew it okay yeah, that makes yeah, more he, sense yeah well yeah he, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a weird one, that's for sure. So Stan ends up leaving, and Mary and Howard stay. Right? I mean, that's about where we are. Right, yeah. yeah. Stan is like, uh, I'm going to go take a minute outside, and he's hanging outside. And and then the... Um, well, the that's when we get the Alexander Pope quote that the movie is named after. She starts giving different quotes. She loves what Howard does. Right. She talks about how humans are just a mess of sadness and phobias and... Uh, Howard just takes that all away and the quote that she says is how happy is the blameless vessel's lot the world forgetting by the world forgot eternal sunshine of the spotless mind each prayer accepted each wish resigned which is basically how nice it is to be innocent without any hurt or pain or yes spots on your sun (laughs) but this is a Mary of course doesn't know right now that her memory of their relationship has been erased Mm mm-hmm Yet she still feels something for him even after that erasure, and then she hits on him and goes. She kisses Howie, mm-hmm. and then Howie starts to tell her like, "No, we can't do this. I have a child and, and a wife." And then they start making out at the table. Yep. And then Howard's wife comes by, drives by, and looks in the window and sees him kissing Mary. Oh, Stan honks the horn to get it. <laughs> she takes a swing at him. That's yeah, he one hits of my him a few times. Yeah. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> to, yeah, to let um, Howie know. He goes out to run to talk to her. Like, it's not what you think it is, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, wait, you haven't told her yet kind of thing? And then Mary's like, tell me what? And she's like, well, that's really cruel of you not to tell her. And Howard ends up telling her that, yeah, I had me erased from your mind. And she, I mean, and she's pretty shocked by that, and then she ends up, uh, she ends up leaving after that, if I'm correct. Yeah, he yeah. emphasizes that she wanted it. Right. Which yeah. Is important. It, yeah. She wanted it. It was like a mutual thing. Right. Um, and then uh, Tom Wilkinson goes back, Howie, and works with Stan to erase the final memories of Clementine from Joel's mind. I believe There's- that's. What's that? Sorry. Keep going. I love this movie so much. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's why I said There's, you should do this Yeah, movie. I know. <laughs> I just didn't want to. I should have. I mean, you're doing a great job. Oh, thanks, I just honey. keep interjecting. <laughs> um, there's a really important scene where Joel approaches Clem at Barnes & Noble, and this is the memory of the night after they met that we get to see. And things get kind of meta. They The conversation starts with what the conversation actually was, and then it ends with them kind of talking about 
their relationship and where it all went wrong and the things that he liked. And he says, I think that things could be different if we try again. And she's like, remember me. And that was important to me because it won't be different. That's the problem. You don't, if you don't learn and grow from your experiences, you're doomed to repeat them. And I think that's what the theme of this entire movie is. So Uh, she actually says, I believe says right before all the memories are erased, she says to him, Montauk. Meet me in Montauk. Yeah, that's the last thing he hears in his memory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But not here. Not yet. Not yet, no. Yeah. This scene, up until this point, you kind of think Howie is a good guy because of the way he's... Because Kirsten Dunst is clearly into him, Mm -hmm. and he's responding to her very professionally and well, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, he's a nice guy. He's actually a good guy because everyone else is kind of fucked up in this movie. Yeah. And then he starts making out with her, and it's like, oh... Never mind. Yeah, and then, oh, you erased her memory. Yeah. That's so much worse than right. just making out with her, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So then Mary Mary leaves, and she ends up going to the office and finds her file and listens to her tape, and she says, she's crying, and she's like, oh, Howie, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. So it's pretty clear that she did not want to do this. It was Howard who wanted this done. Yeah, I guess I really didn't pick that up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she does. She consents. She does it. Yeah, but, she does yeah. it. Which leads us to the morning now, where um, uh, the doctor and technician are, are finishing up Joel, and they leave, and that's when Joel wakes up and with no memory. Well, you have to go to the day on the beach when Clem yeah. and Joel meet. That's the last memory mm-hmm. that he has before he wakes up. She approaches him and asks for a piece of chicken. And then she just takes it. And that's when things get meta again, he says. And then you just took it without even waiting for an answer. It was so intimate, like we were already lovers. And the scene just bounces between meta and the actual memory. And they go to this big house. And this is where you can tell how impulsive she is. She breaks into this house, mm-hmm. just convinced that nobody's home. And luckily, nobody is home. And he's he's scared because they just did some breaking and entering. And she runs upstairs to change into this woman's clothes. She's like, tonight we are David and Ruth Laskin. (laughs) I'm ruthless at the moment. Runs upstairs and he runs away. And so she's upstairs in the meta part of the memory. Asked saying, I wish you'd stayed. And he's like, now I wish I had stayed, but I was scared. And she didn't know that he was scared. And he says, I thought you knew that about me. And I think that's really important, too. Mm -hmm. It's because you may know your partner really, really well, but there are always things that you don't know. know, There will always be things that you don't know about them or assumptions you make that aren't true. Um, That's why communication is so important. And even that can fail. So that's another point. Right, yeah. That that scene. And uh, the whole time the house is crumbling because his memories are being erased. It's a great scene. And that's when she whispers... Meet me in Montauk. Montauk, Yeah. Then he wakes up. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing yours next time. (laughs) I will. I will. This is a tough movie to go through. I was gonna say. That's why I don't usually make him a summary. I made one for this because there's so much. Yeah. Um, And then he wakes up, and that's the beginning of the movie. And he goes on the train, and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And we'll cut to the scene where Elijah Wood knocks on the window and says, what are you doing here? Like, he's like, who, who are you? And then Elijah Wood just runs runs off and then Clementine goes and gets her toothbrush and her mail and they start driving to Joel's and she has this, uh, the tape that all of the people who made the, um, who were wanting to have the procedure done, they have to make a tape saying all the bad things about the person that they don't like or, or whatever from there. So she, um, the Kirsten Dunst character actually 
went back to the office that night and collected everyone's file and sent everyone back the tapes that they made before their brains were wiped. And so she sent the tape to Kirsten Dunst and, and Jim Carrey's characters. Kate Winslet. Kate, um, yeah. Kate Winslet, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate Winslet's character, uh, Clementine. And so she brings the tape to the car and they start playing the tape in the car and it's of her talking about Joel. Yet they don't remember each other at all and Joel's freaking out like, what the hell is going on here? Are you fucking with me? Kind of thing. And he, he kicks her out of his car. <laughs> she's saying some really cruel stuff about yeah, him. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When she gets out and goes back to her apartment, there is um, uh, Patrick, Elijah Wood, is waiting for her. She just yells at him, like, get the fuck away from me! <laughs> because earlier on, while uh, Patrick, like, uh, her and Clementine went out that night that uh, Joel's mind was being wiped, um, they went and did the same thing she and Joel went and did one time when, when they went and uh, went lying down on a frozen river. Mm-hmm, the Charles and, River. The Charles mm-hmm. River, and Joel says, you know, this is where I want to be... Uh, I don't want to be anywhere else. I can yeah. just die right now. And Elijah Wood does the same thing, and that sparks a thing in uh, in Clementine's mind, a feeling of hers that she once had kind of thing, to where she knows something isn't right right now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I want to go home. Take me home right now. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it takes her home, and then, of course, then that's when they meet up on the beach and in the train. But and There's from- a, another part with that, too, because when Jim Carrey... The Barnes and Noble scene earlier when he goes to see her and try to get her back and she doesn't recognize him because she had the procedure done, he had bought her some jewelry. Yes. And Elijah Wood, again, took that jewelry because he's a jerk <laughs> and uh, he gives it to her and she's like, I love this. She's like, I've never had a boyfriend give me jewelry that I like. And then she all of a sudden has this really untrusting look on her face. Yes. Elijah Wood, which I really love that part. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, uh, see, the, that yeah. scene I totally forgot to include. There's so much that yeah, happens. So yeah. Clementine goes back to Joel's apartment, and she the door's open to his apartment, and she can hear her voice. I his mean, voice. his voice yeah. on a recorder, and she just enters his apartment, and he's there. He's like, oh, shit. Like, and then she starts to hear all the stuff he's saying about her. Which is also and, really mean, yeah. And she's like, that's not me. That's not who I am. They then Clementine's like you know I think I should go this is you know this isn't working out this is just weird and I need to leave and she starts to leave and uh, Joel stops her and is like just wait a second let's let's you know try maybe or let's see if you know fuck it kind of thing and they end up laughing and embracing each other. Can I do the line though? I want to do the line because the line is so important. You can go for it. (laughs) He says he begs her to stay. He says, I can't think of anything I don't like about you. And she says, but you will. You will think of things. And I'll get bored with you and feel trapped because that's what happens with me. And Joel just goes, okay. <laughs> she kind of smiles and she's like, okay, okay. And they just kind of laugh about it and they're going to do this all over again. But here's an important part about this No, this they're scene. not. They're in love forever. No, Brent, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not going to work this time either. But here's an important part, though, that um, is that they're communicating finally. True. That's something that really didn't happen in throughout the whole movie, throughout their entire relationship. That really never happened. So I think this relationship is actually starting off on a better foot than the previous one did. So I know... You come from a position that where you think it's inevitable where it's going to happen again. And I know Brent kind of is on the other side where I think 
they of will, love of love, and they will try <laughs> something different, or they will they already have a heads up on on their relationship already, kind of thing. So who knows? It may work. It may not work. And I like that discussion at the end because who knows? And I love and uh, movies with endings like this, to yeah. where you can just. I don't know. How do you feel? Jesslyn, I like I said, you, you feel like this is just not going to work out. No, but I feel like the whole point of the movie is that you can't... You have to learn and grow and compromise and be kind in relationships. You can't erase m- memories, and you definitely can't erase feelings. And when you try to do that, you're not learning and growing. So I don't think that this is going to work out. That's yeah? true, but... <laughs> They have the tapes now, so they have the tapes of the horrible things they've said about each other, so it's not like they have completely forgotten all the bad things. They know it's going to come, and I feel like this time it can be different. Maybe. Because love. (laughs) (laughs) I also believe in love. Um. Do you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a realist, I think. Love takes work. (laughs) Yeah, it does. There's there's also a part where you see a woman, I'm totally shifting gears here, to a different kind of love. You see a woman holding an empty bowl and a bone and, like, toys that she's clearly coming to erase her dog at Lacuna. Yeah. And I just thought, even way back then when I first saw it, and especially now that I've lost in a couple animals recently, I would never, I would never erase an animal like that. I would never erase love, let's say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No matter how much pain it caused me, ultimately. And I like that every other relationship around theirs is completely fucked up, too. Yes. David Cross and um, Adams, what's her first name? Gene Adams. Gene Adams. They're always yelling at each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Mark Ruffalo and Kirsten Dunst, like, they're clearly, I mean, she's clearly in love with someone else, and everything around them is really fucked up, too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Mark Ruffalo knew, though. I'm sure that he character knew. He swears he didn't know. He I really fucking hope knew. He, didn't. he knew. He had Aww, to have known. That makes him gross. Do you think he knew? I don't think he actually knew. I think, like, I think he says he had an idea. He does. And yeah. I think he's way too scared to actually follow that idea. Right. So in a way, he does kind of know, but is able to lie to himself. Well, I, I put that's my, okay. I put yeah. myself in the uh, the Mark Ruffalo situation where he's outside in the van. And he looks in the window and he sees them kissing each other. He doesn't have a reaction to that. There's really? no like, what the fuck kind of thing. And there was, there's was nothing. He was pretty stone faced for the most part. I think he knows she's in love with him. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think he knew about their past relationship. But he says he suspected yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That he saw them together once and thought something was going on. Yeah. yeah. He fucking knew. I don't think. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo is the only character where I'm like, he didn't really yeah. do anything wrong. Maybe the Hulk knew, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I'd ever seen Mark Ruffalo, I think. Well, that's what I like about going back to these movies, because... <clears throat> I haven't watched this in a long time, but I go back and all of a sudden I know all these people when mm-hmm. at the time I had no clue who any of them were. Like, I knew Kirsten Dunst from Spider-Man, but that was about, and obviously Jim Carrey, but uh, a lot of the other secondary characters, I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I know who they are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like David Cross. And yeah. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. This is the first thing that I'd seen Jim Carrey in where I was like, Jim Carrey can act and I respect him. I yeah. can't think of anything before that. 
That's why I was like, when you said watch Kidding, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll watch Kidding. And he's great in that, too. I would say when he's, was he's good Truman in Truman Show. show. Yeah. Truman Show, yes. But I don't, I, like, I don't like Truman Show, though. I think I hadn't seen that. I'm pretty sure I saw this first before yeah, I, I saw, saw Truman first. Show. Yeah. I think I saw Truman Show in the theaters, and I was pretty disappointed by it. When was it? Like 2003? It was before this, I, I think, but like, I hadn't seen it. I'm going to say 2000. Okay. Check it out, though. I'm going to look. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Mm. <laughs> One thing I like about this movie, too, in just a weird way, the concept is they're erasing memories, so it's this technology that doesn't exist, but we're watching this movie, and they're doing this technology that doesn't exist on cassette tapes and yeah. old-ass <laughs> yeah. computers that are completely obsolete now. So Telegrams, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> weirdly seeing this technology that doesn't even exist anymore, and they're doing things we can't do now. Men, even then, even in 2004, that technology yeah. was pretty old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Were we even using tape cassettes in 2004? I don't think so. Uh, I had a disc I, man. You know, I made my last mixtape in like 2003, I think, so. Yeah, but mm. you're a bad example. It took you a little bit to catch up, I feel like. I still buy CDs. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me. <laughs> 1998 is when the Truman Show came out. 98. Yeah, so uh, it took me a while to see it. Eh, you didn't miss much. Final grades! Jesslyn, what do you give this? A+. plus. <laughs> Nothing I don't like about it. Yeah, I agree, A+. plus. It's one of my favorite movies, and I'm glad I remembered that now. Uh, B, B plus for me, because... What are your problems with it? No, I want to focus on you. Oh, no, now you <laughs> want to focus on me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would give this movie a higher grade, but... It's a movie that I kind of only wanted to watch once in my life. Oh. And a movie that I only think I needed to watch once in my life. Uh, not that I didn't enjoy it the, the subsequent times. It's just that um, it, it elicits a lot of feelings. And this is a movie that can elicit a lot of feelings out of you. And not good ones either. So it's kind of tough to watch it sometimes. Uh, we were talking earlier just about how this movie um, makes you feel better about situations like you, uh, Justin was talking about with a boyfriend. Uh, my movie like that was 500 Days of Summer, which I wish that movie came out back in like 2000. Hmm. So, I mean, that's, and I only needed to watch that movie once too. So, um, that's why I give it a B plus. It's a very, very good movie. Um uh, the, some of the best scenery and effects I've seen, what in, in year two thousand four. So uh, this is a definite check out for me if you haven't seen it. Um, definitely check it out. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my reasoning why it's it, it's a near perfect film, but it's one that I I can't watch all the time. Like. Uh, I know, you always seem to kind of want to watch this yeah, movie. Yeah, but I feel the exact same way about 500 Days of Summer. I could never watch that movie again. Oh, see? Yeah, I, yeah. Nah, I can't watch that one <laughs> But yeah, that's um, yeah, that, that's how I feel. So No, I get what you're saying, because uh, for those who don't know me, I'm sure you hear all this inflection and tone in my voice. <laughs> you think I'm this amazing, outgoing person, and I'm not. And I'm a very quiet, introvert person, so I really relate to Joel and some of the things like she said about him about how he's boring in that that's things past girlfriends have said about me so that really hit home for mm -hmm. me like it was very hard to hear that kind of stuff and uh, it's always been hard to deal with so when you talk about why didn't he just open up more like I totally get why he didn't because it's hard for some people mm -hmm. and uh, 
just the scene at Barnes and Noble when he tries to get her back and she doesn't even recognize him, and I uh, can't even imagine what that would oh be like. God, yeah, that yeah. hits me right here. That That's hurts so much to probably watch. Probably this to me the saddest scene. Maybe this I don't know. The final scene's really sad too. Yeah, the final, <laughs> final memory too. But yeah. Or there's times where he's like, please don't take this one away from me, and let me yeah. keep yeah, this one. Yeah, the jewel in my ugly scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, when he's just begging to keep that memory. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, check this movie out, guys. Right. <laughs> now I'm kind of bummed. Yeah, see? <laughs> but the message is important, and I think that it's uplifting. You can't erase memories, and you shouldn't. Yeah. But love will overcome all. <laughs> sure. Sure. Maybe that too. Maybe. <laughs> well, I was reading about it, and they said they had alternative endings where uh, Clementine comes back as an old woman, and you can see on the screen that she's having this procedure done for Joel like the thirteenth time or something. Oh. But they said they just couldn't do that because that's too that's depressing. Too yeah. sad. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh no. So. Oh man. That I was just, just reinforces gonna... my point right there. <laughs> but then they knew that that is fake and would never happen. So. Yeah. Jeez, I, I just wanted to I slip my wrists early, and I want to blow my whole fucking head off. <laughs> I don't think he would have done the procedure again. I hope not. Yeah, I, hope I think the sad story is she would keep doing it, and he would just deal with it and keep having to win her back. Yeah. Mm. So I'm going to keep arguing your point until you're so sad, you're going to agree that <laughs> they actually lived happily ever after. Fine, love is alive. Yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again for joining us this week. Next week we'll be, we uh, we will Wait, be how back. many kills? No kills. No breasts. <laughs> no dicks. No. Otherwise, I would have brought it up. But yeah, the, this is our Valentine's Day movie. Yeah, <laughs> I kept the the boobs and dicks out of it. But check out Wheels of Fire. There's four breasts in that one. Uh, no penises and ninety four kills. Ninety six kills. Ninety six. Yeah, said, yeah. yeah. Ninety six mm-hmm. kills. So check out Wheels of Fire. Check out most. Uh, check out all the shit we talked about today. Just check it. it all out. Even the Prodigy. Why Cause not? Because I'm, I'm your fire starter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Take it easy, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks.